Come to you live every weeknight at midnight Eastern, except for today where we're like half an hour early or something. Uh, Clover doesn't do shows no more. He doesn't like the internet and doing stuff live, so he doesn't do them. And I like having a Thursday show where we talked about nerd stuff. So I'm going live and I'm going to be doing some stuff. So if you want to join, join. If you don't, then you're going to listen to a podcast and uh, you're doing some stuff here. So, uh, Another effort in having a conversation about guns. And if you want to join in, you know how that works. Head over to gunchannels.com. Let me know that you want a link. And you get a link, and then you join in. So let me shut down this uh, Apple software that I don't need. I think I'm going to shut this software down because I'm not going to use it anymore tonight. I think i got like three days left on that one. Close that out of there. And... Oh, it's going to go look for the uh, Gun Freedom Radio podcast since nobody's joining me tonight. To do a podcast from uh, Gun Freedom Radio. It's a uh, podcast from Phoenix area. And they do a one, two-hour podcast every single Wednesday, or at least every week. And like they've got just three guests. Oh, an hour of Alan. Please join in on an hour, Alan. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. If you and I don't do this, that you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome to episode number 140 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by AZ Firearms, your nationwide hometown gun shop. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is a second helping of episode 12, and it was titled Author Day, Protecting Our Rights Through the Written Word, How Mighty is the Pen. Absolutely. So this is one of our best of shows, uh, which I guess would be better than doing a, a worst of show. Yeah. And how did you come to pick this one? Well, you know, authors, their work really is timeless for the most part. I mean, every once in a while, you'll find a book that, you know, life has moved on and the, it 
something has nullified the message that was written about at the time that the author wrote it. But um, for the most part, I think authors are, you know, the books are forever. And the three authors that we had on that day specifically, um, very timeless. Is that such a thing? Very timeless? That sounds a little redundant, doesn't it? I'm not sure what you're talking about. I'm not listening to you anyway. <laughs> Which is pretty much par for uh, Le Course. So, um, so this episode, uh, it was aired before the 2016 presidential election. So it was at a time when there was still a lot of uncertainty. People on both sides of the political aisle, I think, were, you know, I think we were all just filled with anxiety, you know, just not knowing. And uh, now that we know, there's a whole different kind of anxiety out there. Um, you know, the, the left, the Democrats, I mean, bless their hearts, they, they kept saying at the time, you know, well, if, if Donald Trump wins and he doesn't accept the results, then, you know, it's going to be terrible. And then what happened was Donald Trump did win and they didn't accept the results. And they still haven't accepted the results. And it's, it's really created a horrible, I think, a tension in the country, a division in the country, and um, you know that's where leadership comes in. If the leadership would say, you know what, this is something we've been doing for over 200 years, we don't have to be happy about the results, but these are the results. Let's put our minds to uh, creating the best, strongest country we possibly can, and move the ball forward put our best foot forward and set about trying to win the next election. What a different world we'd be living in right now today. And I, I wish that there was more of that kind of leadership. But anyway, so this show, Almighty is the Pen, was before that election. And it was also just after a major terrorist attack in Paris, France. So we, we have a great lineup for you to hear. It's three guests, um, all of them authors. They speak about firearms, self-defense, and laws in timeless ways. Uh, and when episode 12 was recorded, we did a couple of things a little different than we do now. Danny, instead of Dan's commentary, he used to have a dance tip of the week. And you will not want to miss that. So stick around for the entire show. Yeah, I guess I kind of ran out of tips. <laughs> or maybe I ran out of weeks. Well, you kept getting so riled up about things going on in the news that I thought, you know what, though, that doesn't really lend itself to tips. So no. we'll give you a, instead of a commentary or a rant, we'll give you a commentary. Um, you know, <laughs> don't get riled up. Um, let me think. Yep. Well, you know, we got plenty of things to talk about, but you know what I want to know? Yeah. What makes a person want to go in and buy a gun? I mean, you wake up one morning and you say, I want to go buy a gun. That's me every day, but I mean, I'm talking about normal people. What do they do? What, Cheryl, what would you do if you didn't have a gun shop? That is really interesting. And because we have a gun shop, we get to hear people's reasons and stories every single day. 
and it's as varied as the yeah. individual who comes in. And you know, sometimes people they see a gun in a movie and they're like, "That's a cool gun," and I want to add that to my Howdy. collection. And you know, they don't really care too There's much. There's links about out there. The caliber, or you know, any of the specs. On this it is life right now. Stuff of the gun. They just want to have that particular tool in their in their collection. Other people have thought about it for months, right? They've done every research they possibly can. They've gone to the range where they can rent one and of that specific gun and tried it out. And, um, you know, it, it's they're very, very detailed in how they make the decision. Well, the most exciting time for me when a customer walks in our door to buy a gun, I think the one I like the most is somebody who's excited. They see something that they've never seen before and they just got to have it. So they got to go talk to the wife and say, come on, please, please, please. And she comes down, they talk about it, they go outside, talk about it for a while, they come back in, and they decide to buy it. That's my favorite kind of uh, person that purchases a gun. But then there's also the well, ones that what really... About, what about the women that come in and they have to ask their husbands, you know, that, hey, can we squeeze this into the budget? That's really happening. You know what? The women don't ask. They just do it. There's a difference there. That's a true story. Don't tell anyone. Yeah, but you know, and then the, I guess the kind that moves me the most the other way is the person that has to buy a gun today, that they had some tragic thing happen, and I feel good about helping that person because, you know, we're going to get them what they want, everything, but um, it's it's a different kind of feeling, yeah. you know, because we're just, we're there, I feel good about the fact that we can help them get them the right thing instead of just walking into a big box store and they buy a gun that they have no idea anything about. So, you know, so there's all those kind of people that, you know, and then you got the gun shows and stuff, which, you know, I really love to go to. I like to fill my truck up, you know. <laughs> so. Now, how come, okay, so you're the husband and I'm the wife. How come you never said it? Honey, please, please, can I? How come that doesn't happen? You ask me when you buy a book. <laughs> no, but my books usually don't cost, you know, four or five hundred dollars a yeah, but, pop. But you get to buy books, right? <laughs> That's cute. You're you're cute when you when you do that. Really, what it is is like a oh, honey, by the way, I bought a couple of cannons. Uh, excuse me, but Cheryl has more books than I have guns. No possible way is that true. Yeah, not the ones true. you know about anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, we have got to get this show started. So uh, as the show begins, you're going to be hearing us talk about an event that we had been to uh, back in 2015 called the Future of Freedom event, and it'll just take off from there. So stick around, sit back, enjoy the show, and uh, let us know what you think on, on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, at our email address, ah, Talk and Gun Freedom Radio. Here we go. It was called The Future of Freedom. And uh, Ann Coulter came out. She was the speaker. Hugh Hewitt was the, uh, the moderator. It was held in the Scottsdale Center for the Performing Arts right here in Phoenix. And it's interesting because when I first heard of the event, I had one reaction to it. I was like, future freedom. Okay, that's a great name because, you know, the election's coming up. It's a political season. 
but, but it kind of had a one-dimensional feel to it for me. So then we go to the event, and it was really wonderful. It was very intimate, very small setting. Hugh Hewitt was actually speaking and asking questions of the audience. Right, um, it's like we were, he was talking to us, and we were talking back. Right, like a conversation. conversation. Yes. And um, but I realized, okay, so their their headliner Ann Coulter, she is a pretty you know controversial figure out there as it pertains to immigration, border right, uh, border issues, those kinds of things. Um, but then we listened to everything that was said that night, and you challenged her on several things. You can tell that they they probably banter uh, off off stage about things and, and don't necessarily agree on maybe the delivery. You know, there's this harsh tone of right, I'm my, doing, uh, a, doing whatever you can. There's no Kim obligation. Was but there with us appreciate and it. She leaned over and said, she's kind of like the female Donald Trump, isn't she? <laughs> she really is. I mean, because she's not going to sugarcoat. She's going to say what she thinks and it hits people's ears as, oh, that's so harsh. That's so not PC. That's so quote unquote wrong. But if you'll get past that initial reaction and you listen and you hear the content. What, so there's links out there. What she's really saying, I think, resonates and maybe even more so right now in this exact moment in time when we're seeing what can happen in a place that is just open. Just come on in. Just come on in. Oh, man. You guys don't even remember meat spin. It's probably nope. good. It's probably good. I said nothing. So uh, thanks for jumping in. We've gotten uh, we call it Jones and for Clover Thursday night shows. I know, right? So I just went live. So uh, were you guys in something, doing something? Nope. Nope. I was just hanging out, and then I saw that you started up, and you were doing the the uh the podcast you were just listening to talk about great americans yeah those guys are great i wish i could get them in here i invited them on tuesday to my thing but you know that's in the middle of the day uh, i'll invite them again on saturday uh and we'll see if i can't you know get them to come into a live thing i just did a thing on instagram right before this show to kind of explain you know the general process on how to go into YouTube. There's about six ways to do everything right, and browsers are going to be different and operating systems. But just to give them a general idea of what the deal is. So, I don't know if y'all have noticed this, but the last couple of days I have since uh, you're yearning for nerd chat here. Uh -huh. um, you get into a chat and it pops up and it says, "Welcome to live chat. Remember to guard your privacy and abide by our community guidelines." You're talking about the viewers, yeah. Yeah, so that means, you know, moderators yep. better moderate. <laughs> what does that mean? You think that that's an indication that they're going to start holding us accountable for what's said in the live chat, in the text chats? Anything's possible. Like if, if we don't try to moderate or something, maybe, you know. Have you guys gone into the creator studio today? Which one? On YouTube? The, I see a couple of times, but it's different. Well, on top of the banner, said they're going to start getting rid of uh, inactive accounts, closing inactive accounts, oh, yeah. and getting through, getting rid of, I don't know what they call it, what they call it paper or sub for sub or something. 
So make sure that your numbers might be changing the next couple of days. So yeah. it's interesting. This is a weird time of year to do it, but that's something that they do on the regular. Yeah. I guess I just never really noticed like the, um, like an the announcement of it, you know? Yeah. I think they have before because people will freak out. You'll be just minding your business and you'll have like 200 less subs or, you know, it's a ratio. It's always just you know, some number of them. So it won't, it'll be proportional as I should say. Right. Unless you were doing some kind of scam and then you're, then you're nailed if they do something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we can, you know, their logarithms can go through and figure out. They're not idiots. They can figure stuff out. They just don't put the resources into it probably every single second of every day. So they probably figure, you know, once or twice a year, put the resources into it. And then they can tag every crazy thing that's been out there gaming and, you know, correct them, rectify it or whatever. Yeah. They used to do that with a video game I played back in the day, you know, you know with all the hacks and all the other stuff that went on in that uh in that game and they they would do that ever so often they called it a rust rust r-u-s-t rust storm <laughs> it would go through and it would remove like hacked hardware and all that kind of stuff so, totally get it so you were in with Hank Strange earlier. I was watching a portion of that up until a point, and then I noticed that both Gunstreamer and yeah, Full Thirty were there. That's interesting. And chatting or what? So yeah, apparently they're gonna put their heads together, communicate a little bit. Apparently, so that's interesting. I guess I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, I think that's good. Good, good deal. It's interesting that uh, you know that we've got an environment where people can do that. I think it's neat. I don't know if people realize. You know, there was no, there was no like people on YouTube jumping around in MySpace saying, "Hey, let's you know talk about shit or whatever." Right. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I facilitated that or not. I guess you know nobody nobody's going to argue with me. I'll take credit for it. But um, I went. I, in, I watched the show, and I, I can. I don't watch Hank every day or nothing, but I watch that show, and there's no way. I don't see any reason why Hank would have just brought up Gunstreamer, so I think that... Well, know, no, I mean, I mean, as far as them both being there, is what I'm saying, because... Uh, you Gunstreamer, Gunstreamer, that's what I'm saying, and that would have never come up, so I think it would have, it was definitely you're doing, so I appreciate it. Well, yeah, 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 but no, but what I'm saying, I mean, even beyond that... Gunstreamer is in in and out pretty regularly. You know, we see them. That's that's not uncommon. But full thirty, full thirty hasn't been. But today, uh, I've signed up over on the forum over there, and I've been playing around. So when I got the invite from Hank, I posted that because Hank's oh. on full thirty. So I was like, uh, there's like a bulletin board over there, and I was like, hey, I'm hanging out with Hank tonight. You know, drop by and say hi. Gotcha. You know, and I had several people go, oh, thanks for posting this. Thanks for posting this. You know, and so that may be why Full 30 showed up in the first place. I don't know. Oh, no, I'm sure it would be because Hank's on every day, unless they're on every day. I don't, I don't watch his show, so right. If they're over there hanging out every day, then that would be a, why they showed up, right? It could be, yeah. But either way, it doesn't matter as long as it, maybe some interesting stuff will come forth from it. Who knows? So. But I noticed that uh, the full thirty, that full thirty guy's been pretty active on gun channels. I know I've got quite a few likes and comments and stuff, so they're participating over there too, which is cool. 
Effie's listening, I can extend the same offer as what Hank was saying. Anytime anybody wants to jump in, they're always welcome. Yeah, we can even, you know, open up. Somebody can and, you know, host a special, special show we need to. I can't, but. Are you on a computer? Me? I am, yeah. Wow, what's up? Oh, looks like Woods is taking his dog out. So Ghost jumped in. Sorry, I didn't introduce nobody. We got Rooster jumping in from Minnesota. Thanks for joining. You did a pretty cool uh, gun shop review. We can talk about that. Uh, got, well, I don't know if you want to call it. Yeah, it's a gun shop. Uh, Woods jumping in from uh, the woods. And now his dog is gone potty, so he's back. Got Ghost jumping in. I can't tell if he's from a phone or not. And then, uh, what? You call it Tinkle? That was my wife. <laughs> my grandpa used to say tinkle. I'm a phone man. I won't say tinkle. I say potty. Well, to each their own, I guess, huh? Yeah. All right. See you. Uh, Clover, you got it. Yeah. What kind of dog you got? Chihuahua. Uh, dead horse. What kind of dog you got? Chihuahua. Uh, Ghost, you got a dog right now? Uh, we put our Great Dane down, but my daughter just bought a black lab puppy, so we've got we, we babysit her three days a week. So we got her; she's six months old, black lab, beautiful a dog, a grand baby puppy. Yeah, she's awesome. That's you get to spoil that dog, make it super fat, and there's nobody can do nothing about it. That's yep. the only problem with a six month old lab is it chews constantly. What you're suggesting that a baby lab <laughs> one thing. I don't know. All right. I'm suggesting that it has no self-control whatsoever. That's for sure. But those dogs also like eating toys. So usually you get aim on the stuff that's good for them to chew on, and they appreciate it. Well, that's the thing. She doesn't chew any furniture or anything like that. Cause she, we get a whole bucket full of toys for her, so she chews all that. So she's not chewing up furniture or anything, but she does chew those toys constantly. Oh, yeah. Woods, what's that dog you got there? Um, a North American mutt. Um, I... I think it's mostly poodle, but um, it's also probably terrier of some kind. I only support Eastern European mutts. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's a mix. They found they found it in the woods in uh, in uh, Atlanta when my wife used to live there, and they literally found it in the woods. So I don't even know how old it is. Right on. Uh, Rooster, where are you at with doggy situation right now? I have a pit bull and a Boston rat terrier cross. And then, of course, because we allow everybody to come in here, Gary's in here, even though he doesn't have any dogs, right? Got cats. I have dogs. Oh, I didn't know this. What's going on they left their wolf in the rooster pen? What the hell? I have two dogs. Yeah. Oh. I feel Now I feel bad because I don't think those dogs get enough co coverage. I'm only seeing this George critter. Yeah, I've got, uh, I've got Phoebe and Teddy. Oh, right on. Phoebe's a mutt dog, and Teddy is uh, uh, at least half Pomeranian. He have looks you, like a Pomeranian. Have you not been putting him on the IG, or am I just crazy and didn't notice him? I don't think I have, no. Okay. They're not cute like Caddy. <laughs> well, I'll put go. some pictures up there. I'll take some this weekend. How about that? So do they get along, the cats and the dogs? Uh, 
Well, the female dog does not get along with anybody. Not even the male dog. They fight out there all the time. So, no. They... I ended up, that's my daughter's dog, Phoebe is, and the reason I ended up with her is she almost killed my daughter's other dog. Hmm. That dog so needs- you thought, I'll take it. No, I thought, because I paid for this, uh, I paid for this little mop dog she's got now, and uh, had about a $3,000 operation to uh, put a pin in her arm when she's like six months old or something like that. So I said, you better keep them dogs separated. So I said, if you have to, I said, bring her over here. So I've got a fenced in backyard. So during the day, the dogs can be out, out in the back and stuff. So there's, I've got a 50, well, 80 by 150 foot backyard. There's plenty of room back there. Everybody on this block has dogs out in their backyard. <laughs> it's just a rule. That's a pretty good rule to live by. Yeah, I'll tell you what, people don't sneak up on you. If there's anybody on a street or within a block of here, you'll know about it. The symphony of barks. Gotta love it. Do your right. dogs do the 101 Dalmatian thing where they talk amongst themselves? Uh, they probably do. I just tend not to listen to it. <laughs> I think my dog's the weak link. I think it's the one that doesn't do the message. I know if I hear them two fighting back there, I know who's getting the worst of it, and that's Teddy. Because that female pushes a male around big time. It, but like they're a married couple or something like that. I tell you what. That sounds like my household. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You've met my wife. Okay, cool. Your wife don't bite you, does she? <laughs> Well, I don't. Not I don't need to I know. Never mind. I don't need to know. Not real hard. <laughs> <laughs> Some things can stay in the home. Yeah. Aww. Clover got going up here. Who hey, me? Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna show you that we were talking about dogs. This was apparently trapped around here somewhere the last few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really, really interesting. That is a red wolves are almost extinct, right? And right. so they, they reintroduce some red wolves, and of course they breed with coyotes. So that's a red wolf coyote hybrid. And that's yes, a pretty dog. Gorgeous, man. Really Freaking pretty. Gorgeous. And you know, it's I, pretty I, damn big too. I shoot. It is. It is. It's way bigger than a normal coyote would be, and that's sort of that and the red color is how you can tell them apart. Uh, and what I was going to say is, I shoot coyotes in the face all the time. Uh, if I ever seen one of those, I would not, I would not pull the trigger for sure. I think people don't really understand like true like wolves how big they are. They're yeah. big, big well, animals. The red wolf is not the biggest, uh, and then especially since you know now, like I said, they've introduced them to try to keep them from being completely extinct. And they said that actually most red wolves, um, since they've been re- reintroduced, uh, can be up to like. You know, they're in between like 50 and 80 percent actually coyote. Oh, wow. Um, you know, that's how kind of sparse, I guess, the population is. But at least the DNAs is out there still, right? So they're not completely extinct around here. But, yeah, this dude trapped one. So really it was like, he was like, what the hell is this? And it was like the Canine Humane Institute or something posted. And they 
sent somebody out or whatever to get a sample and actually test the DNA and see what it escaped. Actually, it escaped. They tested it and all. And then, like the next morning, or they got samples to test. And the next morning, they went back and it, they put food and water and crap in there. Uh, but then they went back like the next day. It had escaped. So that's how smart it was. Apparently, it figured a way out in a day's time. <laughs> but yeah, beautiful, beautiful dog for sure. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so if you were to have a show today, Clover, what was going to be the topic? Ooh, if I was going to have a show today, what would be the topic? Hmm. That's a good one. I honestly don't freaking know. May talk about he's the core. He's gotten lazy in his jail time days. May talk about yeah. May talk yeah. That's that's definitely it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, maybe about the correlations between Google, uh, YouTube search and Google search, and being able to title and. SEO and all of that to where it, everything crosses over really well. So Do you think some what we're talking about is search engine optimization, meaning if the search engines are attempting to offer the person who's searching relevant information, mm-hmm. it's the job of the engine, the search engine, to know what information exists. So if you come along and say, I want to know about why does red paint take so long to dry? You know, they got to know everything that's ever been written on the internet about what makes red paint dry or something, and then right. somehow use some kind of robot intuition to know, well, people seem to hang out on this page, and after they went to this page, they went and bought red paint. But if they went to this page, they went to six other pages before they bought red paint. So it starts to figure stuff like that out. Al Gore was pretty smart. So he figured out that if, uh, you know, you can follow what people are doing, you can... Uh, anticipate and that's how the search engines do this stuff and the only way they can do that is by at this point at least because they're not quantum computers yet they're not at the next level of computers uh all they can do now is read so in other words you can have the best infographic in the world or you can have the best photograph of a sign and it's not to the point yet where the internet can just know everything but if you type something if you type gibberish it sees your content as gibberish if you type actual English it sees your content for what it is but if you go a step further and type it in English maybe or in a way that using English it interprets so in other words knowing what it wants and then giving it exactly what it wants you can go a step further and actually increase your likelihood of being recommended on the internet because you've paid attention to what it's looking for and built your stuff to work as perfectly as possible. Sometimes what happens on the other end is that the human beings, once they get fed that, don't understand what's there anymore because it looks weird by the time the internet understands what it is. But if you have a happy medium there, you build your stuff in a way that the internet can figure it out, has a reason to recommend you, and then, uh, I don't know, you run around having a lot of hits and you have a better smile and more girls. I don't know what happens when you have Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking search engine optimization. So back in the olden days, back when me and Clover were doing all this stuff and inventing all this stuff, um, it was websites and search engines. And that was it. And now YouTube came along and said, hey, kicked in the balls videos are great, but so are kitten videos. So how do we know the difference between this guy getting kicked in the balls and that kitten being cute? 
well, because some human being is going to write it on there for us. So now YouTube kind of came up with their own. And guess what? That means hashtags. There was no hashtags before these social media platforms. So now we start getting hashtags and all this other weird things, at signs and stuff that influence. Like back in the day, an at sign or a hash symbol would just screw with the way oh, that yeah. the internet worked. Nowadays, it's necessary. And so when he said, let's talk about search engine optimization, which is awesome, super critical, and it's a way that you can outsmart the other people who are putting effort towards something like your, what you're doing um, because you're paying more attention. Uh, he said that let's do something that works on both the internet and YouTube. That's like saying, let's get a method of driving that works for both cars and motorcycles. Like that's intriguing because you're driving differently in both of those vehicles. So is there stuff that applies to both? Now Clover gets to tell us what's so good. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the morning fame software that I've, I've pitched before, or guys, I guess website is more so what it is makes it really easy to facilitate that because it will actually, as you put your, um, your keywords in, which that's the, that's the words or phrases that, you know, you're, you're trying to get that search engine to, to hit on, right? Um, as you put those in, it will give you rankings for both, not only YouTube, which has done since its inception pretty much, but now it will also give you the rankings for YouTube. I mean, uh, Google as well. Um, so that you can try to find, like you say, G, that happy medium, you know, what's working best for both. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is because Google search has gone to a system where it's actually starting to give more priority. This is, I believe this may be a lack of people reading, which is a bad thing <laughs> in the, at the end of the day, I think, um, and we certainly don't want people to quit reading altogether, but YouTube, I mean, a uh, Google, sorry. Uh, this is kind of new to me and I wasn't prepared. So give me a minute. But um, Google is starting to give a little bit more priority to uh, videos and stuff when it's searching. So but it does not. What's weird is it does not use the YouTube. You think that it could they could somehow could have tied it into the the YouTube search, but it doesn't do that. Um, it's still it's standalone uh, standalone you know, search engine. And I guess maybe they did that because, you know, videos on other platforms, correct? So uh, while you're doing this, you could actually do this even if you're uploading on, let's say, uh, GunStreamer or YouTube or uh, uh, directly to Patreon or LinkedIn or maybe Full30 or whatever it might be. Then you can essentially use this. And while while it's not, you know, there's not any relevancy, so to, you know, to speak of with the YouTube side of things. Um, you could still use that to potentially gain traction on those other platforms through Google uh, SEO, through Google search, which is, I think, I, I just found that interesting. It's been something I've been playing with the last week or so. Uh, playing with it last week or so because it's that new or you just found out about it because or? it's that new yeah it's not very old it's not a very uh, old feature at all it's not but maybe a week or two old and this is a feature of that thing you're that service you're using yes it's called morning fame and there's a dot between the a and the me so morning fa dot me is what it is and then that's basically a thing that's for a content creator who's on multiple platforms to... Mainly it's YouTube, unfortunately. Okay. 
Mostly yeah, YouTube. it's the quote-unquote YouTube tool, really. Okay, so what's different than it and that one I use for the IQ? I use uh, a couple of tools in VidIQ, and I'm satisfied, and I leave YouTube alone after that. Because the one of the big things now with what they're finding, apparently, with, with search engine optimization stuff is relevancy. Um, so even though you find really good, uh, you know, you may run vidIQ and you may go, oh, well, you know, this term's ranking real well and this term's ranking real well. Well, the problem is, is it the most relevant term or keyword for your content, right? And search engines have got to where they're looking for, they, they want it, like you said, you know, uh, why does this red paint not dry? They want to find the most relevant answer for that person, right? They want the number one to be what's going to answer that person's question. The and absolute most like relevant. Not, not why does this green paint does not dry? Or why does this red paint look pink? Or why does this red paint, paint um, dry too quickly? You know? or, or here's six red paints for sale, which is pretty much yeah, what... Which, you know, all of those things we talked about, they involve the keywords paint and dry and red, right? And all of that. So, you know, it's relevancy. What are the what is the thing out there that is tagged and titled and described and all that stuff in such a way that makes it most relevant to that question or that search that's being asked? And I just thought it was kind of a game changer because in a roundabout way, it's kind of a game changer. Because like I said, when you're talking about, let's use GunStreamer, because we all love GunStreamer. Um, GunStreamer does not, you know, it doesn't have the YouTube algorithm and billions of viewers and all of that going for it, right? So, you know, other than sharing and promoting, you know, how can you drive traffic to, say, um, GunStreamer to your video? Well, you could use this this morning fame tool, you could work with the relevancy where it was, yes, um, ranking well within YouTube, but then also with the addition of this new tool, you could translate that also over to Google search. And then if you put all of that information, plug that into your GunStreamer video, then theoretically, at least at this point, um, your GunStreamer video could rank within Google. So people could actually find that on GunStreamer. Well, it seems like uh, overall they understand you Google, not YouTube, but Google understands that their platform might be big, but it's not the only thing that's not going to last forever. So they're like you say, they're building their search engine so that it can act like a set of eyeballs and not like a, a uh, video content provi uh, provider so that it has like basically the shortcut of seeing everything from behind the scenes. They're forcing their browser to go in and act like an end user so that it has to interpret all that. And then that way, like you said, they can point it at anything that provides video, anything that they could point it at a GIF, you know, they could point it at anything at that point, right? Absolutely, yeah, picture sites with just pictures or, yeah, anything. Or like at that point, uh, uh, somebody has like an animation happening in front of them at a place uh, on a screen and they can just point their camera at that and then now Google can say, oh, you're watching a commercial that was made of this. Yep. They, whatever information out of it. Yeah. yeah, and they already got similar, similar technologies that do that out there. I've, uh, for the longest time, 
uh, there was an app. Uh, I think maybe the very first iPhone I had, good Lord, I had that app. But you could actually hit a button and let it listen to a song, like five seconds of any song. And it would actually tell you what song that was and the artist. It was called Shazam. Yeah. Remember that? That So, yes, it's similar. It's not foreign technology or really anything new or groundbreaking. No. And, well, I mean, and for pictures, they got the same thing with Google. You can just take a picture of something, call it to Google, show it to Google, and it'll say, here's where you're standing. Like we've seen enough pictures of the world that we just saw that picture you took, and here's where you are in the world. Yep. Yep. So pictures are easy. Video gets another level of complicated, but we get to the next level of computers, and that'll be, we'll all be laughing because we'll have a whole different world. Maybe that's a topic. How different can the world be again? But we got completely. Uh, um, Ghost has been to at least the tour of um, Walther, and I don't know what you did as far as video, but you did the uh, meetup with the eyewear people on the way to Jaegers. Then you filmed Jaegers. I'm wondering if we can get some kind of an after action on your gear. How did your gear hold up? Did you uh, alter anything? Did you change your mind on anything after... That exp- those experiences? Um, I realized very quickly that if you're going to do training, um, I carry, in, in the Walther, I carry the 15-round mag, but I also have two different 10-round mags. And I realized if I'm going to go to training, I need to get several more 15-round mags because the 10-round, when you're, when you're working on doing quick mag changes, it's different. Hold on. Cameras, camera-wise, gear, that kind oh, of gear. Oh, well, gear. Oh, that kind of the gear. nerd side of it, did you, you know. The nerd side of it. Whatever. Did um, you? Actually, the I just I just got a new DSLR uh, about a month or so ago. So I took that. Um, was that I, a, because you're going to be doing all this training project? or It was, just, it was in preparation for a shot and just, just upgrade another camera, yeah. I needed another camera, and um, my handy cam, my Sony handy cam that I've had for several years is starting to kind of crap out. So I knew I needed another camera, so I decided to go DSLR because I could take still shots with it and everything else with it as well. So I went that route. And I really and liked it. It worked out great. With those things, those things are not inexpensive unless I'm wrong. They're, they're expensive, right? Well... Uh, Yes, they are. They can be, yes. Well, and I'm just saying, compared to like, well, your phone you got to carry around, it's expensive, but you got to carry it around anyway, and they're pretty rugged. But my concern would be if I had an ISS DSLR, a fancy camera, I'd be afraid of breaking it because it's so big and I'm not used to it, and I'd be dropping it or not paying attention, smacking it into stuff. Any- I, um, well, I got a, I got a cage. They call them a DSLR cage uh, to, to mount on the tripod, and it's a, uh, it's a, a titanium cage, oh. and you can mount different things on it. So I'm, I have it mounted on there. I have a boom mic on there, a light mounted on there. I've got several things mounted, so it's it's weight, and um, so it's it's, it's going to be hard to knock over. Uh, the tripod is pretty sturdy, so with all the weight, even with the wind blowing at Jaegers, it never blew over. It was blowing hard on Sunday. Okay, so that's cool. I didn't think about that, but they make protection accessories 
Yeah, I, I think honestly, it was it's more made to where you can add so many different things. I I could add like thirty different things to this cage if I wanted to, um, but it does help with the weight and all that. So if you if you if you're able to maneuver the camera, the microphone, the light, and all that stuff in positions where it's it's evenly weighted and evenly balanced, it does help with the sturdiness. And the cool thing is, is I'll put on uh, one of my cell phones on top of it, and I could utilize that for a second camera or whatever, but I can run that boom mic directly into that and use it as a voice recorder. So I've got it all right there. Uh, the DSLR that I got does not have, it has a screen on the back, but it doesn't flip to the side where you can watch it from the front. So it's kind of hard to frame a shot but it has built-in Wi-Fi that will connect to my phone, my cell phone that's on top. So I'll face my cell phone towards me in front of the camera, and then I can set that up through the app, and then I can see what my camera is looking at too. So it really helps. Oh, that's pretty cool. And then that's a, a extra cell phone, like what Clover does. You just have extra phones that you use. For I've got like four of these old galaxies that I use the hell out of, yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's it's so far it's working good. I mean, you know, like I said, it's. I wish I could have not, but I really kind of been waiting for a while, and and this is a Canon that I got, and it was normally. Like three forty nine, and I got it at Walmart for two twenty nine because it was going to go on Black Friday thing, but they started their Black Friday stuff at least on my one here at home on November first on certain items. And so I've been following it on, you, know, you can kind of follow stuff on Walmart's thing. You know, let me know when this goes on sale. And it popped up. So I went down and got it for $229. So I saved over 100 bucks on it. So I was really happy about that. You had a DSLR before? No, I never have. Um, so it's interesting. A lot of learning curve. Uh, I've, I've done two modes so far. I've done still pics and I've done video. So I haven't. There are so many different things you can do with that that I'm just not smart enough to figure out, but I'm sure eventually I will. Well, it's kind of neat because back in the day when I was learning cameras, I was a little kid, and um, of course there was all the other cameras you could have, like Instamatics and those little circle things. What were those called? Those like disc cameras that came out for a minute? But yeah, I always I enjoyed black and white and slides because we had a dark room and I could develop black and white all I wanted, any way I wanted. And then slides I could develop, and then those would be color, and I could project them on a wall, and that was fun. So um, I grew up with the SL, whatever uh, actual SLR, I guess, single lens reflex cameras, and understood them. Plus, I was going into the dark room and getting pictures out, so I understood what it was like after I was in the dark room. I understood what all those adjustments were because the adjustments do stuff to the time and amount of light to, goes into that piece of film and then that right. has an effect on like you know its exposure and then you can take it into a dark room and then you can play with it but it's all about that original exposure you know you take it here or there uh some or certain extremes or something and that's gonna you're only gonna get certain play out of a dark room uh, efforts so anyway that was sort of uh, an ability you know the, the advantage of seeing it from both ends with the old days 
so that I knew how a camera worked. But I can imagine going into a camera without seeing the darkroom side of it would have been amazing. It would have been difficult because you just have all these knobs and dials and all this stuff. And unless you see what the result is and why that result you know, is different than that other result, you know, that would just be a bunch of styles. So anyway, what I'm getting at is with the uh, with all those dials and what they affect in the darkroom, you're having that same experience in Photoshop. Because Photoshop right. darkroom. There's no difference. It's just all the stuff we did in a darkroom back in the day, except with dials on a computer. But it's you know, balance and contrast and and all the different color stuff. That's all just exposure and different tricks in the darkroom. And since you can see, you've had plenty of experience with Photoshop, you're going to catch on pretty quick, I bet, once you figure out, oh, exposure is lightness or dark or whatever you call contrast. Right. Like, oh, okay, I can see the f-stop is all about, you know, what, what ISO, you know, the ISO is like how long the shutter is going to be open. So that's going to be how much light, like how washed it's going to be. You know, you're going to start figuring it out, not because it says this, but just because you'll see like, oh, okay, when I do this, they get really white. When I do this, I can do this with them in Photoshop. But that's even better when the camera is basically on an app and probably can just do stuff as it's recording. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what's interesting is I went onto a YouTube, you know, several YouTube videos and was watching reviews and, you know, they're kind of going through what the different knob settings were, what you could do with it. And it's, 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 it's amazing what they have in these cameras now because I sat there and watched two or three videos and I got done and I was tired. Because I was sitting there trying to learn all this stuff this camera did, and I got like exhausted because I was like, just "This never. thing can do so much stuff." I had no idea. I just want to take pictures and video, you know. But there's so many technological advances in these things; it's it's crazy. The the professional photographers I know, uh, and I say professional, even the amateurs that are serious about it, that use a DSLR, uh, they all say you shoot in raw mode to. And they're allowed, that allows you, um, I don't know, something about it's a truer picture. And because there's no compression with the file format, because it's in a raw format, then you're able to manipulate, like you're talking about, the exposure and the balance and the whites and the blacks and all of that um, a, lot, a lot more than you would if you did it in a compressed, like a JPEG, let's say, or something like that. Yeah, I use so far the only two settings I've used is for the still picks. I put it on automatic, and I'm assuming that's basically just kind of depends on if I need a flash. It kind of detects light and all that. Yeah. And then the video, I just put on like video camera and just shoot it, and then I'll, you know, so I, you know, I'd like to sit there and say I'm going to master this one. Now maybe I one day I will, but it's it does so many things. It's just almost mind boggling. The drawback, uh, the drawback to shooting in raw, though, uh, you know, raw photos is file size too, is unfreaking believable how big those files are. So you really got to have, you know, storage, you know, your cards and all that good stuff, uh, plenty of space, and then also your computer, right? When you're talking about your editing, you got to have something fast enough to be able to deal with all that. And store. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you the one thing that I'm going to have to do before shot is I'm going to have to go get probably four or five more batteries because the battery life is not great with this thing. Um, so um, I'll have to go probably get four or five more batteries. 
Yeah, back in the day, does anybody else, did anybody else take a lot of film pictures, old-fashioned cameras? Anyone? I used to, quite a few back in the day, yeah. Pictures, uh, slides, black and white? Uh, no, uh, black and white and color photos. Okay. And when I was in high school, I was actually the school photographer for a year for the school newspaper. I developed my own film and everything else. So. Oh, right on. So you totally understand what I'm talking about then. Anybody oh, yeah. else been using cameras like that back in the day? I guess I used, was... to take, used to take a lot of pictures with the old 35 millimeters. Yeah, that's what we're talking about, right? That was the size of the yep. camera, right? 35 yep. Yeah, um, I've, did been, you, uh, I've been around it, but I never did it myself. And it was a kind of thing where if you weren't into the hobby, then you weren't buying one of them because you bought a snap camera for what, like twenty-five ish, thirty. Like you could afford, you could afford to buy any kind of Instamatic camera, and then like an SLR, hundreds of dollars, like immediately, tons of money. There was this massive barrier between, you know, you didn't just go casually buy an SLR, and I don't know if there was even used stuff back then, but um. I was going to ask when you guys that used cameras back in the day, if you're around, remember, and all that stuff, like the kind of stuff that people would buy. Now that I'm thinking about it, it was stuff like the biggest thing for me was when I finally got a motor. So when I would take a picture, it would wind to the next picture automatically. Like I could just keep taking the picture without having to, you know, slide that little thing with your thumb. Right. Uh, there were cameras that were snap cameras you could get that you could like crank them and wind up and then you could do that. But like a real SLR, that was like that wasn't something they did. You always had to go to move it to the next picture, and you'd get this like battery pack underneath. That you know the better cameras would have a kind of like a what do you call it? Like a way to, for that to attach. And uh, I remember that was like a Christmas present. That was like a big time kind of saving up, and, and you know that was a big thing because then I could take pictures of airplanes flying by quicker. That's kind of where the 4K cameras are now because those things are outrageous right now. And then another was just putting a date stamp. Like uh, you'd get a back thing, you know, the part of the door that opens so you could get the film in and out. You could replace that back door with the thing that had a battery in it and then it would put a little digital, somehow and like zap a little digital date onto your film. And that was cool as shit because that was like being a spy or whatever. I remember that being a big thing. And then you'd get filters different colors and types of filters that you put in front of the lens. And then a couple of different companies like sold bracket or holders for those lenses, for those filters. And this stuff was like, oh, I can't remember going to the store, same way you go to the store and you're thinking maybe like, oh, I'm going to buy a new holster. Like I'm going to get, I'm going to try this new kind of ammo. Like I just need to save up 30 or 40 bucks. I'm going to buy that new kind of ammo, you know, in a week or so, maybe next paycheck. If I don't got to pay that bill, you know, maybe I'll get that $30 holster. That's what it was like back in the day to like, I'm going to get that yellow filter for my lens. And then for like, what, a month, you'd take pictures that were all yellow filtered because it's your only one filter that you got. And you would master it because it was your only filter. And then you got sick of it and you'd go like buy a second, you know, third filter or something. And nowadays you open up Instagram and there's like dozens right there. And then you can go get more and then get another app that'll add dozens and dozens on top of it. Just amazing, like, like I was saying, like I guess that's what I was thinking of when we were with those old cameras. You'd pay a bunch of money for the camera, and then you'd have these things that you can make it incrementally better, and they didn't do anything 
at all functionally compared to what a camera, like a basic camera can do now, a basic phone, I should say, can do now. That's the scary thing is your cell phone, I mean, it's as good as anything there is out there for the most part, you know. So, again, back in, and when were we talking? I'm thinking 90s is when there were still cameras. Like, you'd still develop film and stuff. I was certainly developing slide film in the 90s still. I think it kind of got to be less of a thing by the 2000s, but there wasn't too many digital cameras out there. It was kind of like, ooh, you have a digital camera? Like, before about 2003 or something, maybe? Yeah, I, I remember had one right around 2000, but it was like a one megapixel. It wasn't very good. Oh, yeah. My first ones were bad. But so we had regular cameras up until 19 years ago for the most part. And then we transitioned to digital. And then it didn't take too long. It took a, maybe 10 years at the most. And now you take a picture and it's there. I mean, it takes me more time to say you can take a picture and distribute it around the world than it does to take a picture and distribute it around the world, literally, right? So that's the other thing. We would take a picture back in the day and you'd put all this money into your camera and your filter and then you'd have to develop it. And you had one, 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 what do you call it? Negative, like one negative. So if you screwed something up, you only, you you took like eight pictures. One of them was good. One of them was in focus. You couldn't do nothing about focus in a dark room, really. You could screw up focus, but you can't make focus. And then uh, you got one of these, like, pictures that's on a negative. It's a physical thing that can deteriorate, break, get ripped, get exposed to light, all this stuff. And then if you finally get one picture that's worth the crap, what are you going to do with it? Now, what, are you going to send it in and mail to people? Like, take a bunch of copies of it and send it in the mail? Because that's about all you could do. There was not even fax machines back in the day. And it cost a lot of money to make prints. But I'll tell you what, you took a lot more discretion in the photos you did take. Nowadays, with digital photography, people just sit and snap picture over and over and over. End up with 100 pictures where back in the day we would have taken 12. Well, I kind of agree, but I kind of disagree because that's sort of the difference, at least from my experience with whoever taught me to take pictures. Like, that was the big thing is if you could... If you were developing yourself, and one of the reasons you developed yourself is so you could do this, you would take, you'd bracket and you'd frame and you'd take a ton of pictures. So you'd hit three or four f-stops you thought might work and a couple of ISOs, and then you'd just bracket it. You'd take, you know, pictures on the low end with both low and both high and one low, one high in the middle. Try to focus a couple of different ways, you know, on this, that, the other. And then when I got that motor, taking pictures of airplanes, like you cannot... You know, airplanes are flying, so there's, you know, there's no way to know when the perfect clouds and arrangements of stuff. So you would just plaster the, you know, we just take so much film, and I was buying it bulk, so I was buying it in like a giant, giant, giant reel, going into the bathroom or into this like big black bag thing, opening it up, the big bulk thing, rolling up my own 35 millimeter, what do you call those like cartridge thingies, uh, that you could buy that were reusable, and uh, you know, just Whaling on film, so we'd have. I still have some of those thirty-five millimeter cartridges around here somewhere. Did you? Well, you did it at school, so you probably had a real dark room. Oh yeah. I had a we had a dark room in the basement, and it was pretty alright, but it was you know in the basement stuff. So whenever I figured out color slides, I was hooked because you could do color slides anywhere. You just needed dark, and it was like a like a big coffee cup basically. You just put your 
you get a big bag or something, put it in the trunk of a car in a closet, and just kind of take the film out of the cartridge and put it into this thing that was like the size of a big coffee cup. And then from then on, it didn't have to be in the dark anymore. Now you could just pour some chemical in, shake it around, pour it out, pour some other chemical in, shake it around, pour it out. I think it was three chemicals or you washed it at that point. And by then you could just take it out of that thing and look at your slides and they were color slides and throw them into a slide projector and start watching them. So I could take color slides, fart around for 25 minutes and be watching color slides. And man, back in the olden days, that was, it was nothing better than being able to fart around taking pictures all day. You know, while everybody's farting around cooking dinner or something, you whip out the pictures into slides and you just throw up a slide projector on the side of a building or something. It was amazing. It was like, well, now we have projectors and video and stuff, but... Yeah, people would go on vacations and they would literally have a whole box of slides and they'd take a slide projector over to somebody's house and set it up in the living room and everybody would sit and watch all the slides from their vacation. It was really cool because they were huge, just like a big screen TV now, if not bigger. Yeah, and cool because it was nice and sharp. Yeah. And I really like doing slides. You could do slides up until into the 2000s, and then now now it's like a novelty vintage thing. You probably got to pay a premium. Yeah, it's a dead art, unfortunately. Anybody else have any photography stories or comparisons? No other photographers out there? I remember I was 10 years old. My parents bought me a home photography lab. And it was just a little kind of like you mentioned. It was just real small, but it had the little canister you could put your film in. And once you got it in there, then you dump your chemicals in, dump them out, blah, blah, blah. And I was fascinated with it. So, yeah, by the time I got into school, I was, I was always the kid who got stuck taking all the pictures at family gatherings because I always carried a camera with me. So even to this day, I love taking pictures. It's just different kind of pictures. But I guess that's why I like Instagram so much. Yeah, me too. And like I said, it's just neat to be able to distribute, you know, to, to, to have interaction with the pictures because you've taken them because you saw something neat or whatever. And... Like I say, back in the day, you'd take them and maybe you'd show somebody you gave a shit, maybe not. But, you know, like I say, it was an ordeal, no matter what. To, you had to kind of plan for it and have the facilities to even do it. Speaking of Instagram, I just put a picture of my two dogs on there for you so you can see proof that I have dogs now. Well, camera phones have come so far that I noticed with myself, not being much of a photographer, I use it more of a utilitarian kind of thing. Like my wife sends me to the store for some random thing. I'll take a picture of the box so I know what I'm looking for. I take thousands of pictures that I never want to do anything. And that's just a function of it's so easy now. That's a great point. Yeah, going to the store and verifying stuff before you buy the wrong thing. Or I'll take a picture of like a belt or something before I go to the, like the hardware store to see if I'm in the right ballpark for the size or whatever. Yeah, you know, as a teacher, I use my phone to take pictures of kids doing stuff so I can show my boss like my kids are doing this or that or the other thing or sending them to parents like here's your kid doing something awesome. So there's, you know, because it's so easy, you know, um, but I also notice now that they're starting to market phones that really they're, well, the whole ad is about the camera and the phone, and very little about how the phone works. 
I like to use a camera if I'm taking apart, let's say, uh, some old gun I've never worked on and I'm not familiar with. And uh, then it really, you know, helps me piece it back together. And like, oh, this part went here. And this part was turned this way. And, you know, like it, it comes in really handy for that kind of stuff. And not only that, but to document maybe uh, what parts you've put into your guns, stuff like that. So I have a, I don't know, a couple a couple hundred gigs of photos that just help me document, you know, specific guns, serial numbers on guns, stuff like that. And all my record keeping for my guns are pretty much done through pictures. Yeah, that's a good point. I've done the same thing with cars, but yeah, when you're talking about inventory and stuff, because again, you can, you don't have any, you can take the picture on a camera, which isn't connected to nothing, put the pictures, leave the pictures on the SD card, put that SD card in an envelope and put that in a safe deposit box. It's never touched the internet. It's never been on a computer. Accessible through almost any device. Halfway into the regular show at this point, you know, I've been looking at this stuff. Is anybody saying anything out there? Look. 24 chance over here. <coughs> I also remember back in junior high, we had a uh, a project where we built a camera basically out of a cardboard box. We built our own camera and took a black and white photo and had to let it expose for like a super long time, like a full minute or something, just like the old, uh, you know, the cameras back in the way, way old days. But we so, basically built our own camera out of a cardboard box. Pinhole camera? Yep, exactly. A pinhole camera, yep, out of a shoebox. Yeah. I remember doing that. We also did that during a solar eclipse one year when I was in grade school because they told us it was dangerous to look directly at it, but you could take a shoebox and put a pinhole in one end and then aim the pinhole at the sun and look at the other end of the box and you could actually, it would project the eclipse on the other end of the shoebox, which worked pretty cool. The high tech we had back in the day. Well, we were really creative back in the day. Like we were into that. I don't know if the kids nowadays would be super into that anymore. Because we didn't have anything to compare it to. Well, now pretty much every single person has a camera on them all the time with their cell phone, right? Like anyone who has a cell phone now. I, I don't know of any cell phones that don't come with cameras, so everyone's kind of a photographer to some point nowadays and taking selfies and just, I mean, all sorts of things with their cameras, right? So cameras have become like an everyday part of our lives for social media, stuff like that. Yeah, you got people who used to never take pictures and they take lots of them now. I mean, because of cameras, I know that the Kardashians are having breakfast, lunch, and dinner, so. Oh, I might know. I just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the nice thing about the Internet is you can go where you want to go and stay away from what you most for the most part, stay away from what you want to avoid. So. I liked your idea, Dead Horse, of when I'm taking a gun apart of taking pictures of where all the pieces go back. I never thought of that. It's a great idea. 
Yeah, I bought quite a few like old revolvers and stuff from like, you know, the 1910s and stuff. Just like weird stuff I've never taken apart before, right? So it's really helped me um, just piece back together guns and like especially when you're taking it all apart for a deep cleaning and it's like all apart for a couple days and then you come back to it like three days later and you're kind of, you know, wondering, hey, where did this piece go? Like, yeah, you're not supposed to come up with other pieces. It's not like engine. Yeah. They all need to go back in. Yep. I also like the idea of getting a camera that just has an SD card. So when you're taking your photos of your guns for your inventory, but not using your phone, I never thought of that. That's a great idea. Yeah, I put them all on my, uh, actually on my computer and then my backup laptop. So I like to kind of have just uh, a redundant thing there, you know, redundant security there. So uh, in case anything happens to one, I, I, I still have a backup. Then I'll immediately get another one to have as a backup. Yeah, you could take a copy of it and put it in a safe deposit box. Does anybody even have just a plain old digital camera anymore? Yeah, I do. I've got a couple of them, actually. One of them's a real nice one. And then another one is kind of a waterproof one that you could take. I got it for when I used to go with my granddaughter to, like, places where you get splashed, like water parks and stuff like that. Most of the digital cameras nowadays are used more for vlogging and making. Although they, a lot of them are excellent still cameras. Yeah, yeah, that's what I use mine for. So if I really want to take a picture and make something look halfway decent, I use my digital camera because that's like 20.1 megapixels. Whereas I think the camera on my cell phone is like 5 megapixels. So it's a pretty big difference. i tell you how old I am. Uh, back in the day, we did rodeo photography. And we used... Uh, a twin lens reflex camera, you know, the one that's got two lenses on the front and you look down in the top of it and then we had this big ass flash. Oh, yeah. Be quick on your feet. Is that where you change the bulbs? Like the bulbs would come and like it would have like four flashes on each side of the bulb and you'd have to sit there and spin it four times and replace it? Well, like on the old No, we, we, no we, we had electronic flash. It's a style of camera. So an SLR, you've got a, you've got a lens, right? The big lens, and then you've got a, uh, a the thing that you look through. The viewfinder kind of comes in and sneaks down and looks through your normal lens. So they call it an SLR. So it end up having the shape of the camera looks like a, a brick in your hand with a, you know, coffee cup sticking out the front, the, the lens sticking out the front. Al's talking about that type where it just looks like a, it's like a brownie camera. It looks like a rectangle, just a box. And there's just two. Yeah, it's a, kind of an elongated rectangle with uh, uh, two lenses. One lens was the uh, viewfinder, which was always upside down and backward. And then the other lens, act, lens actually uh, exposed the uh, film. And they were quality cameras. Well, that's the thing. It was a much, it was a, the 35 millimeters, the size of the film that a normal camera like Gary's holding there would have been. And, uh, yeah, well, these were 120 millimeter. Right. So they're a factor of four times larger. So it was basically this, the negative would have 
four times larger so it can get four times more resolution. It was the equivalent of 4K back in the day. And that's the kind of you'd use if you were taking like a really good portrait or like if you were going to take like a picture of the Grand Canyon, you'd use a, a wide format camera. One thing Emily that I've had, seen... Uh, we had a couple of cameras that were were 220 millimeter, which is was, it was essentially the same width as 120, but a taller exposure, if you will. Uh, when I was a little I kid, I'm... when I was a little kid, uh, the Polaroids were super popular, and it seems like they're making a comeback with the kids. So yeah, I've seen quite a few kids with Polaroid cameras like that, you know, print the the picture right there. And I'm yeah, not my sure. My daughter if it's, has one. She loves it. I think it's digital now, though, not like film. I think it's printing it digitally. So, but, but that's like a popular thing now. I thought it was film. Polaroid. The one, is, the one my daughter has is, is is film. Yeah. So the Polaroids all over the place for, let's see, I'm trying to remember now. It was a long time ago, it seems like. Years and years ago, though, Polaroid made a little thing that was not a lot bigger than a cell phone, really. It was kind of a, kind of a rectangle thingy that you would buy, and it was like $40, and you bought special paper for it, and it was a printer, and you'd hook it up to a cell phone or to a computer or a laptop, and you'd uh, print it was if it was a printer, except on a cell phone, it would just print by plugging it in. You could print to it. Yeah, and, you can still buy those now. And yeah, and it would print out like a little glossy thing that looked a heck of a lot like a Polaroid, but it was print, like you're saying, Dead Horse. So you could buy that thing, and it was Polaroid branded, but it wasn't a camera. It was just the printer side, and you'd have to buy the special paper for it. And it was kind of neat, and it wasn't expensive, but. Uh, you know, you'd have your existing phone, but it sounds like what Ghost talked about, you still buy Polaroid film cartridges, stick them in there, and like 10 later, you have to go buy another cartridge, right, and shove it in there. Exactly, yeah. And she, I remember when she got it, that was like the big thing for her. She, she saved her own money and bought it. She's like, Dad, this is so cool. Look at this. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Why aren't you not excited? I said, because that's what I grew up with. I'm like, no, I've seen that, but we had. She's like, I've never seen this before. And I was like, wait, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. Like, it, it was a big thing there for a while. She still uses it, but it was a big thing for about a year or two that that's what everyone wanted to get was pulling it. Uh, on Black Friday at Walmart, I was looking at them pretty hard. They had these Polaroids there, and they said that they were digital. So, uh, um, but they were, you know, they printed out the picture out the side of the camera. It didn't come out the front like the old ones. This one comes out the side now. And it was a pretty small little camera. Like, it was still, it really wasn't much bigger than most people's cell phones are nowadays. It really wasn't any bigger than a cell phone. But it said it was yeah. digital. The one that my daughter has, I mean, it's not huge, don't get me wrong, but it's definitely bigger than a cell phone. Um, but I don't know what brand it is or anything like that. But it's, it's definitely bigger than a cell phone, but it's not, like, enormous, you know. It's Polaroid, no? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. I believe it is, yeah. I don't know if we weren't being pretty enough for Clover or if we were being too nerdy, but Clover ju jumped out. I like There's the idea of the, I like the idea of that Polaroid one though because 
it still saved all your pictures to memory so you could still just go plug it in your computer and you could print out like which ones you wanted right so it wasn't like you had to uh you know print out every picture you took so right. i I, kinda, I liked that option of it so then i could you know take 20 pictures print out the one i wanted and still save the rest of my computer for later and not be wasting all that paper like yeah. or the lighting was bad or somebody had their eyes closed exactly that's what i liked about it and it was like 89 bucks for black friday and uh i don't know if that's a good deal or not but it, it had me really in, i'm still really interested in one i still might get one i remember i don't know it's probably maybe 10 years ago now but i remember when you could buy the photo paper and hook it into your printer and print pictures out from your computer and i remember that was a big deal because that would be cool yeah, it was. Yeah, but that was a big deal because, like, you can now print multiple pictures for yourself instead of having to go to the Photoshop. You know. Yeah, I still do that. I can get dollars at the dollar store. I can get these things that are about the size of a postcard, and every time I see them, it's like ten for a buck. I can remember back in the day where it was like, "Well, these used to be expensive." <laughs> I don't really print anything, exactly. but I do have some. And you could you could even get them eight and a half by eleven if you wanted to, but yeah, you could get them different five by sevens, three by fives, and all that. But I mean, it was pretty cool. That, you know, I remember when that first came out, everyone was like, "Oh wow, we can print our own pictures now." And now they had crappy printers, so you know we had we didn't have LaserJet printers, so we had those crappy you know desktop or whatever you call printers. So it was still pretty bad quality, but at least you could print a picture out. Have you ever went into Walmart or like Walgreens or stuff like that where they have those photo kiosks? Oh, yeah. You just yeah. plug your phone into it. Well, Walmart, you can get like a three by five for like 39 cents. It's really cheap. If you want to put pictures like in a photo collage or something for your living room, I tell you what, uh, photos. what uh, my daughter did for all of her friends from college and all that is she took a picture with her and her dog went to Walmart and printed out Christmas cards from that kiosk, like three by five or five by seven pictures, but they could put like Merry Christmas from, you know, my daughter's name and all that. And you could do all this stuff to it and it would print it out, come back in five minutes and you've got 25 basically postcards with your picture on. That's kind of cool. How expensive was that, you know? I think she said she got maybe like a dollar a piece, which really isn't that bad. She spent like 20 bucks and probably spent 20 of them. You know, it's not bad. You're not going to buy Christmas cards that cheap. And people like those a lot better because they can stick them on their refrigerator and they'll keep them there for the longest time. Yeah, you could sit there and honestly, you could probably do a card up or do a, a, a picture on Photoshop and get it exactly how you want it. Save it on your phone, then go to Walmart and have them print it out and... You got a Christmas card there. I did that with my Gizzard Gary logo. I actually printed out on eight and a half by eleven paper, but uh, Walgreens made me sign a waiver that it was my original artwork because they were scared to death that I'd stolen that from somebody. It's like, no, I made that. <laughs> <laughs> You know what, you were making stock certificates or something? Like, who do they care what you're taking a photocopy of this picture? 
<laughs> I'm making something to hang in my house. I don't think anybody's going to sue me over it. <laughs> it's a whole lot different nowadays. Uh, we never did. That. We never printed our own color stuff because it's wasn't very cost efficient and it was a huge pain in the ass. Developing was pretty easy. Are you talking with uh, cameras or are you talking with computer printing? I'm, I'm talking about, I'm sorry, I'm talking about with film cameras. Yeah, we did so, black and then color was like a factor of cost and complexity of like quite a bit. Yeah. It was, it was, it was practical. You could Chemicals almost. Chemicals were a lot more expensive. They didn't. You know, they had a short shelf life. Uh, you basically, if, if you print a batch of pictures and your chemicals are gone. The camera costs. So, but costs see, more. we didn't have a processor in our town. We actually, if we did color stuff and we did, we did like uh, weddings and some other stuff. But when we did color, routine was you take your film over we had to drive 30 miles to a processor drop the film off they would they would print proofs or a proof sheet basically all your pictures on two three eight you know eight and then you go back and you look at them and tell them which ones you want printed up and then they printed full-size proofs of those. And you looked at those, and you're like, okay, we need to touch up this, or you tell them in advance, you know, uh, touch up any dust spots or whatever. And that was all a manual process. I mean, they actually painted away with tiny brushes, dust spots and stuff on your prints. It was a huge deal. And that's where you get the infrastructure of the media because they had to have all the facilities and the resource of like people who knew what they were doing so that when they needed them, they could have any kind of picture they wanted to, had to print yeah. at a specific time. And you had this like infrastructure and bureaucracy or whatever it would be called. And, you know, they're still running around with that thought process until just recently. And the rest of the world is running around you know, figuring out that we don't. You know, now, you know, now you got a couple of thousand dollar camera that's synced by Bluetooth to your phone, and you take some shots and you zip it off to your publisher or, you know, the folks back at the shop or whatever. And it's like instant gratification thing. So, speaking of instant gratification, um, this is my 15th year going to SHOT Show next time. And you know, I've definitely seen it change over the years. We started with regular digital pictures. We never went with, it was always digital. We never went with regular film cameras or anything. But um, we definitely saw the difference between just getting pictures taken, digital pictures, getting, you know, being allowed to take pictures and then uh, eventually uh, video and then people getting comfortable with it and then video being basically the the, the norm and, and it being very comfortable and everything but um uh, certain times over the years we've struggled with it and other people i know who've been 
dealing with covering such a massive event have dealt with the time management, I guess, of it all and just the complexity of it all. So Ghost has been there and well, you've all seen it if you haven't been there. But, um, you know, you've got so much time that you're there and in the town and you've got so much time that you can stay awake at a time. You've got some amount of jet lag or some sort of you know, influence from the fact that you're traveling to this place. And then uh, you got things that demand on your time. So you're only going to take, you know, you take your time that you're going to be there and you start subtracting all these variables from it. And you're left with you know, less and less and less time, depending on how you look at it. So um, I guess luckily or the reason it keeps continuing to exist is that technology makes it easier and easier for us. But even still, technology doesn't make it completely effortless. So I guess what I'm getting at, long story short, is there something that can be done to get something worked out ahead of time so that the guys that are there, people that are there, because it's guys and girls, that are there uh, can work with people who aren't there to get even more done together. Maybe throwing pictures up to a cloud and then having, I mean, I think it'd be super great to have somebody who would, if I could just throw all pictures up to a cloud and have somebody put them in folders and say, you know, the folder that says like day one, day two, day four, just that would take an hour away from your time at SHOT Show. I actually talked to my daughter about that. Ironically, we talked to her about it about two days ago. And then if she That's, could see, okay, these are all from day one, and these are obviously all from this booth. So they're in a folder called this booth, and these are obviously from here. These are from lunch, right? They're in a folder called lunch. You know, and then all of a sudden, whenever you go to actually start putting some effort into it, like I say, you're hours ahead of the game. Yeah, I actually had talked to her because she's pretty good with that stuff, too. And I talked to her and said, look, if I take these pictures and let's say I take them in the morning and then during I go get a bite to eat in the media room or something for an hour, upload those to the cloud. I send her a text and say, hey, I just uploaded about 30, 45 pictures. She can take them off the cloud and then she can just pick out random ones. And I can give her my Instagram password. She could literally put them on my website for me, put them on Instagram, post them to Facebook for me. And that takes an, a lot amount of time away from me having to do all that stuff. So I think there's definitely a way to do it. And I don't think it needs, anybody needs to be, have experienced it in order to figure out ways to come up with stuff. So people are out there that are interested in sharing ideas for that kind of stuff. I'm sure that I know we're open to it. I'm sure well, I'll tell you what, if there's anybody that would like to be kind of involved in the SHOT Show experience without having been able to go to SHOT Show, call me or email me and there might be some stuff that I could have you get done for me while I'm gone and I'll pick up some swag for you or whatever and credit you for whatever you do. So I'm always looking for help. Right. Well, I got a dog that just woke up, and she's angry when she's hungry, and she's hungry. So I'm gonna have to go at some point and feed her so she doesn't bite my leg. Um, we're about an hour into the actual show, so we went a little early today because Clover doesn't do his shows anymore. He doesn't like going live. Come, here. Come up here. 
So uh, we were painting for a hunk of 2A media chat, I guess. So uh, Clover jumped in here for a bit, and uh, Gary and Roos said we're in here, and Dead Horse and Ghost and Al all jumped in, and we've been chatting, and I've been ignoring the uh, gun channel side and see what's going on over on the gun channel side. It's like a bunch of people are joining us over there tonight. Do appreciate that. Gun channels is the place that we all got to meet each other, and we hang out. And it is a community for people who are interested in 2A content that is either created by us or together with us. Oh, she's going to puke on me. Um, and if you're enjoying that kind of stuff, then thanks for being part of the community. There's a lot of people that make this possible. And uh, it's awesome to see a bunch of green dots over here. Can you hear that? She's like puking. Oh. Is it a hairball or something? Uh, I think she just wants attention. She's probably licking a bunch of hair off the ground, I guess. Oh, you know what it is? She's out of water. This is her like dramatic way of saying she's out of water. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm dying. I'd say what's funny is this little puppy, she's smart as can be. She really she's a brilliant dog. A couple days ago, uh, my daughter was over there and she came over and we have a little bowl for her water and all that. And her water was empty. I mean, none of us had really realized it. So she picked up the bowl in her mouth and brought it to my daughter and dropped it at her feet. And she's like, she's almost like, water, woman, give me some water. It was hilarious because we never see her do that before. But I was like, man, that, that, you know you know, your dog's smart when she picks up her bowl and takes it to you and drops it at your feet like, I want water now. So that's pretty funny. All my dogs have done that, and uh, you just start saying, good, 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 boy or girl, whatever it is. And right. they will learn that for sure, because that, that is super handy, because, I mean, I oh, like yeah. all the dogs, and I intentionally get the kind of bulls that they can pick up, right, so that they can do that. Because, yeah, I mean, I don't want to make them thirsty, because I'm just not paying attention, right? You get into doing stuff, and you're like, oh. So, yeah, if a dog can bring you the water bowl, I think that's a great trick. Yeah, it was awesome. We we didn't teach it to her. She just picked it up. I think she, I think she just got tired of waiting, so she just picked it up and brought it to my daughter. And I was like, "That's funny. That's hilarious." All right. So I guess I'm looking at the uh, comments that are coming in over on the gun channel side over here. Scrolling back up. Yeah. Chat not working, not works. Maybe try a different browser or something. I don't know, it's working for me, it's working for you guys. Yeah, so probably just a different browser or something like that. Uh, let's see, filling out cards now 18 for 497. What's all that about? I'm just talking about like Christmas cards. Yeah, oh, I got my new business cards in by the way, a couple days ago. What I said a couple days ago, I got my business, my new business cards in. Oh yeah, I saw cards. That. So is that your design or is that like a base design or? Um, I, I did a Google search for like business card templates for Photoshop, and I downloaded five or six of them until I found one that I liked, and I thought that was kind of a good one, so I just went with that one. But I didn't design it; it was a template. Have you ever done the vertical kind before? No, I haven't, and that's why I wanted to try it this time. And I actually, I think I like it a lot better. I don't know. I don't know if I like it or not. I've seen them. I don't see them very often, though, and that's why I'm never sure if I like them or not. I put... Would you quit it? Dan needs something bad. I know they're eating bad things. 
Um, the um, card things that I put them in are like uh, kind of like those plastic sheets you get for three-ring binders that put them in uh, like for baseball cards or something. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. But they're horizontal. So when you put one in that is a vertical card, yeah. you know, sideways. So I was thinking, you know, for that reason. But on the other hand, it's those things that make your card stand out that make your card stand out, right? See, that's why I did it. It's a little bit different, you know? Yeah. And there's plenty of white space on there, so it's a useful one. And it doesn't. That's, that was my big one because I remember you telling me last year next time you do business cards, make sure there's white, especially for shot shows, so people can actually write down information on your card. So I, I make sure there's plenty of white on there. And it's not like in a way that it looks boring and it doesn't look all like, what's going on? So yeah, I think they're pretty decent. Yeah, that was my main thing was the, the, the main thing I wanted was white. I wanted enough white on there to where. You could write stuff down, you know, whatever you wanted to, whatever you wanted to do. There was enough place to write with a normal pen. Because last year I had to bring like a silver sharpie if I wanted to write on mine from last year because they were all dark blue and all that. So I was like, okay, I'm doing white, at least enough white on each side now. Uh, looks like New York Outcast is talking about sending cards out to customers. Alright, so I need to get some new business cards, period, because I'm almost out. I must have bought like a billion of them at one point, because I don't even remember buying business cards the last time. It had to be many, many years ago. I think I bought like 2,500 of them, and it's lasted me forever. Holy so cow. And because of that, I forget to do it. Like, if you buy 100 or something, then you remember it's on some kind of schedule. You have an opportunity to change them once in a while. I think, I'm luckily, I'm okay with them, because I put gun channels on there. Because this the one I remember I changed them because the ones I had for my business cards didn't have gun channels on them. I'm like, what the hell am I giving out gun you know cards that don't have gun channels on them? I was I had like Facebook and stupid shit on there that I don't even like, you know, just because it was like obligatory. And I'm like, what am I putting boilerplate shit on my own card? So I changed them and put gun channels logo on there and probably ditched Facebook or something on there. And uh, um, like I say, I did way too many. I think I, I, you know you do a bunch because they're cheaper, right? But then you don't get the opportunity to change them, and I'm way too cheap to throw any away. So I've had these cards forever, and uh, I don't have any white space on them. I just have a picture that you can write with like a sharpie for sure and see over it. Uh, and with a pen, you could still kind of you know it's a picture, but it's not so dark that a pen will still show up. But not ideal. Um, but I've been thinking about getting a new design on my cards too. I just don't know if I got time anymore before a shot. To get them done cheap at least. Cards, let me know. I mean, kind of a basic design. I can do a couple of templates and see what you think. You know, because templates right. all you do is plug, plug, and plug, and plug, and it's it's already done. The design itself is already done. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Because most of the places I've always gone gone to, I just use some version of their default things. So like you say, you just type in the stuff, you know, your name in that line, and your right, phone, and it all just kind of gets displayed. But um, like I said, I'm more worried about how long did yours take? Need to make sure I can get them done. In I got them in three days. Oh, okay, that's super fast. I don't know where Angelina yeah. at. She, uh, I, I got mine through Vista Print, if that means anything. I mean, I got them in like three days, and it was like $29, really? $29 for 500 cards. The last ones I got were through Angelina, and they, they weren't three days, but they weren't very long or nothing. But uh, 
And I haven't gotten them in, like I say, I just haven't gotten them in such a long time. I used to always get them in a Vista print. I don't remember them taking just three days, but I might be thinking of something else that I know when I get like the cards printed, not the main decks of cards, but like when I do prototype stuff from China, yeah. that stuff will get printed in like a day or two, but then it takes like a week to get here because of stupid shipping. Right. So, uh, oh, yeah, if there's only a couple of days, then I'm, I'll, I can get, definitely get a couple of cards made. Yeah. I just get 500. I get 500 made because I want to, you know, every year I'll get new cards probably done for Shot Show every year, you know. And uh, so I, I get 500 of them, and that'll last me Shot Show, NRA, anything else I'm doing, plus handing them out. I put them in everything I've put in, you know, so I send some stuff. I'll always put a business card and all that. So it's just one of those things where I'll go through 500, about 500 in a year. I'll probably get about 30 or 40 left from the last year, you know, this time last year. So. Um, Al, do you got business cards? I haven't had any in a long time, although uh, I did have some company cards one time uh, that they put Braille on there. And so somebody was telling me that they met a lady who was blind, and they handed her one of their cards. She goes, oh, Braille. Well, I should just tell you, it's, I can read it, but it's upside down and backwards. Because they printed it, they punched it on the wrong side of the card. <laughs> I'll tell you something that's new right now that I was looking at doing, um, the QR codes, you know? Yeah. And you can go create your own QR code with whatever information you want on there and then put your QR code on your business card, because I don't know if that's... I don't know. I thought about it, but I didn't do it. I, yeah, I'm glad you did. I did it on mine, and I mean, I don't have a problem with it. It's just that nobody's using those things, so I guess you know, I mean they're they're not difficult to work, but you need an app. Like you have to have something, a scanner. For a minute there, when cell phones got real powerful, I know there. Were, at least I paid more attention to these apps where you could scan like barcodes at the store. So if oh, yeah. I saw I'd scan the barcode, and then it would tell me, "Oh, you can get this cross town cheaper." So, you know, I was scanning things left and right. So then those QR codes or whatever they're called, QR, the square ones, I was all about them because I had the scanner thing. And now I don't even remember last time I scanned a, a code on my phone. I don't even have that app on my, I don't even think I ever installed that app on this phone. I haven't used it in so long. So that's when, and then, you know, I haven't even thought about scanning anything in so long. I haven't considered putting it on cards. I used to put it on the, all of them, on the gun channels one, on the, on mine. And for like you say, because you can put a lot of data in there and you can send people to a specific site that says, hey, thanks for finding my card and scanning it. Like, thanks. You, you know, there's a gift or something or here's a way for me to say yeah. you're doing it. And that was kind of cool. But um, nobody ever did it ever. But I know of really ever. Right. Yeah. I thought about it for about two seconds. and I was like, eh, no. So, so Dead Horse, do you got a card? No. Um, let's see. Ghost Gotham Gizzard, you got cards? Yes, I do. Yeah. Roosted, you got cards? I had business cards a few years ago, but I don't have anything made up for my YouTube channel. I guess I did specify. Yeah, you guys, like Al was saying, from work. I mean, I've got, I'm, my work is my YouTube channel, I guess, but I've had business cards from work. I guess what I'm saying is more like a personal slash you know, this is what I do online kind of a card. 
uh, let's say you go into a gun shop and you're trying to chat them up because you want to get some kind of discount on something or, I don't know, you, you know, you're trying to impress them. So having a card that says I'm a big deal on the internet or something can help with that. Have you guys ever thought about getting something like that? Okay, I guess no. No. Now that we've brought it up, is it like completely preposterous? You'd never do such a thing? You can't even imagine I brought it up? Or he sees any reason to do something like that? I'd like to have some made. I think it's a great idea. I just, uh, not really sure how to lay it out and what all I would want on my card, you know? Yeah, I say have fun with it. Have you ever gotten a card from like a chick or from somebody who's just got cards for their life? Like, not because they're doing something online, but just like, hey, I got a card. Remember me? Here's my phone number. I knew a couple of guys that had cards like that. They used to pass them out when we were young men. Oh, yeah. I mean, I knew some guys that just had them just to be cool and to hand chicks or whatever. Or like, you know, again, you're just networking. You're out and about. Like, hey, here's me. Big deal. I got my own card. And it doesn't yeah, say, like, here's where I work. It's just, like, here's my phone number or, like, maybe my email, I guess, nowadays. Yeah, I remember um, I was passed along a couple cards at one point, And they were just white cards. And it had three lines in black lettering. It had their name, their cell number, and their email. That's all it was. It was simple. I don't know why I have them, but I remember having them. Probably met them somewhere at a bar or something back in the day. Well, and that's the other thing. is like I'll go to a show or something, like a gun show, and people will be like, oh, blah, 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 or whatever. Thanks, you know, whatever. You know, and I'm like, here, here's my card. And it'll just be like, so-and-so, M1 Grands, and a phone number. <laughs> and then, you know, the whole thing is blank otherwise. And you know it's like that so they can write on there, like, I'm the guy who's looking for the M1 Grands at the St. Louis show. And, you know, leave those with people. I told I'm thinking about doing it for SHOT Show, and you tell me if I'm crazy or not. I'm thinking about doing like a 3x5, like a note card size, but do it like uh, for the project, maybe Operation Training Day, is do like a full-color like front of some picture, you know, logo or something like that, and then on the back of it discusses the, the, the actual project we're doing. So when I'm at SHOT Show, if I meet someone that I think might be interested in either the training or sponsoring it or whatever, I could give that to them. But it's bigger than a business card, so it kind of stands out. Now, is that crazy to think about that or no? I think that's totally worth it. I mean, I wouldn't go like, uh, I don't know. I'd say bigger than a business card because you can put more info on it. And then, uh, you know, having something that they can... Uh, hold on to, but then on the other hand, you've seen Shot Show enough now to know like nobody's looking for shit that to walk away from. Like right. walk away from something, and that somebody's holding something, they're probably ditching it. It's going into their bag if you're lucky, and into a trash can more than likely, honestly. So you know, because so much up's happening at Shot Show, and especially if it's just sort of like, hey, you don't know me, but and here's something I want to like you carry around the rest of the day. You know, I sure couldn't wait to get rid of this because I'm sick of carrying it. <laughs> so there's a little right. bit of that. So I'd say it's worth having them for sure because there's going to be people that are like, oh, I know you. And yes, I want this because there's no way I want to forget about this. And you went. Yeah, I was only thinking, I think I'll get like maybe like only like 20 or 25 of them made. But, but it's more like if I get a discussion with somebody about the project, 
and they show interest. And before I leave, oh, hey, before I get here's a little, you know, little thing about the project. Take a look at this. Well, the good news is that they're what do you call them? They're not Kinkos anymore, but whatever the equivalent of Kinkos are now, uh, right? These are awesome. Like we've had just really, really, really good success with them. So unless they've gotten horrible, you can go to Vegas almost. Well, in, in other words, you don't need to overbuy. You can go to Vegas and kind of be confident that, at least from my experience over the years, you can be confident that if you are empty-handed at some point, missing business cards, missing handouts, something like that, they will make them for you faster than any place I've ever seen in the world. Like right. They are really good at it, and they do it cheerfully. Like They're really good. I mean, it's almost a pleasure to have to go in there at the last minute. I mean, honestly, and that's weird to say, right? Because usually those kind of things are a hassle. Like, they're, it's just a pleasure to watch them go in there and just work efficiently. And they'll be like, it's amazing when you think about SHOT Show. Yeah, come back in an hour. We'll have them ready for you, you know? And it's just chaos because you go to those ones that are really close to the event. And there's just, like, everybody who got in trouble and everybody who forgot something. They're making giant posters. They're making, like, giant stickers. They're making business cards they're making buttons they're making you know handouts for presentations they're making slides and they're just whipping this stuff out like i say it's really kind of neat to watch it when he jumped out but um uh we'll jump back in here so i guess i was talking about business cards i don't know i think they're useful and when i was first doing stuff i was already doing stuff online i was building websites for people and um I guess I was a consultant, I guess you could say. So it wasn't necessarily always building something for someone, but I could offer them assistance, you know, being familiar with the internet. So I had business cards in order to, you know, give people my phone number, basically. And uh, so once I started going into gun shops and trying to, you know, do more and more with my projects uh, and involving gun shops and different you know, manufacturers and stuff, it was certainly nice having a card, you know, sets you apart of like or you know that you're at that level of uh professionalism or like that level of taking it seriously that you went to the expense of getting cards all right so um i was just thinking that like i say there's that factor of it that you're making them carry something around so and if you ask them like hey do you want this they're always going to say no so right yeah I, mean, I, I like the idea, though, too, because you do uh, want to give people who are going to be overwhelmed with stuff an opportunity to remember your shit. That was my only thing, is if I what did a little bit bigger, poker? they would stick out. But I don't even know if I'm going to do it or not. That's what I was going to ask your, your opinion on that. What about your poker chips? Do you have them? Are you out of those? Uh, I just ordered some three weeks ago, so I just got them in. So, yeah, I'll have... Because that might be the kind of thing. You pop a hole in your poker chip and stick a thumb drive on it. Something, you know, maybe something like that. Okay. Interesting. The money, but, you know, for the couple of people, because you're probably not talking like, it's not like you're going to be walking around shot like, hey, here's my project and here's your thing. Hey, here's no, probably like 10, you know. Yeah, it'd be like a couple a day at the most. And then right. real, like, you know, somebody who's like, oh, yeah, I definitely got to know more about this. And I need to give this to my other person. Like, that's the person who's going to need something like a thumb drive. And on the other somebody's that interested, the business card is enough to get the thing going, and you're going to remember them. So, 
I don't know. You know, I mean, but I, I do, but I, I do mean that the, the poker chips I can get quickly and relatively inexpensive. Can you still can get do like a before a shot? Yeah, it, oh, yeah. Poker chips before a shot. What do they cost? A buck a piece, though. Something like that, but I could get twenty five yeah. of them made, and just for the operation training day only. Oh no, you know I what would saying? want more than that. If you're going to do something like that, I would throw you know some money at it, and then yeah, one side have. You know, MW Tactical and right. you, and on the other side, the project or the project on both sides, and Mac, uh, Mike on one side and you on the other. Or, but no, I'll probably put you guys on both on one side so that people don't think it's some sort of like competition. Right. They just think that, you know, it's you guys doing this project. Well, whatever. I would say if you give them a poker chip, that's the kind of thing somebody throws in their pocket and they're not like, oh, I've been burdened with a poker chip. It's like exactly. a with or whatever. And a poker chip being the Vegas theme would be kind of cool also. Yeah, exactly. It totally goes in with it. And they're going to get other poker chips. And right. in these scenarios, they lose it, and then they contact you and you throw another poker chip down. And that gives you reason to talk to them. Yeah, not a problem. Yeah, I might do that. I might, I might, uh, we've already got a logo for it. We can put the logo on one side and then our stuff on the other side. So that that's a good idea. I'll do the poker chip instead. That's a great idea. That's why I ask you, man, because you, you've been there and you know what to do. <coughs> New York is saying, you can welcome to the chat link if you want to jump in here. Most people just want to know you have a card, so no need to go over, do, no need to overdo it, Coast. Just have a decent one. His card looks decent, and that's the thing. I don't know, though. I was going to say, though, you know, those cards that we're talking about, you're talking about, are like. Like the project card or the business card? The project, like the more oh, large. Okay. You're yeah. talking something like if you take a regular eight and a half by eleven piece of paper, fold it in half. That's the size of thing you're talking about. Glossy, like the kind of thing you get in the mail if somebody's running for office or they're trying to get you to rake your leaves or some shit. They're gonna give you. Yeah, like, I was thinking like a little three by five, like an index card type size. You know. Oh, even smaller. So if you take an eight yeah. and a half, fold it in half, and then fold that in half. Exactly. Talking. Yeah. Okay. So that size, I think, is too small. Honestly, I would say half a really. Piece is large enough because you you got enough art stuff in you that it would look good and it, why make it small because the whole idea right. is dry and that's just going to catch dry plus you'd put enough artsy shit in it to, or design in it to you know make it you know make, make it whatever the word is like that's what you make it uh, interesting visually appealing for so that it's remembered right right anyway um and then you'd want to have enough room to explain it all right um but uh, anyway, I was going to say, I would still make some because there are going to be some people, for whatever reason, it's going to be ideal. You'd need that thing, and why not have it? And then for whenever you're actually doing stuff, um, maybe do it in such a way that it could also be used as, like, here's the thank you for, like, letting us show up, or, like, thanks for your courtesy. Here's the, the card that says you were a part of the thing. So maybe it's not so much like a solicitation type of card as much as a participation thing. And then right. you to them, you're almost like saying, you know, here's in preparation for your participation, here's your thank you for being part of this whole thing. And a poker chip, you know? Yeah. And well, the poker chip for most people, like, hey, be aware of this, give this to your friend. Like, oh, you know a guy who's a trainer? Throw him two chips and like give him one of these chips or whatever. And it's a way to right. get the word out easily. But then, like, say, if there's somebody who, you know, is got a folder in their hands and they're like, oh, yeah, what do you got? Give me some paperwork on this. 
We kind of cool do like that. a um, do like an Instagram competition. Also, is how many people will take a selfie with my poker chip during a shot show and put it on Instagram? You know, something like that. They kind of cool. Interesting. Yeah, I'm definitely doing the poker chip. And then, so you don't think a three by five? You think like a four by six or something like that would probably be better? I don't know. That's what I think. What do you guys think? I guess we're again we're talking like you're having a conversation with somebody, you're giving them something to remember you, or to kind of to keep them aware that you're about to schedule something with them. I think we put everybody to sleep. <laughs> I just go with the card myself, but I don't have the fancy stuff like Ghost has. You're saying just a business card? Yeah. Well, I guess I could do a separate business card just for the project, you know. I want them to have the business card anyway, because that way if I if I do end up doing a video or pictures or something like that, I need them to know where to, you know, who I am. You know, so if they need to get back a hold of me or if they want to know where their stuff is, all my information's right there. I mean, just as much as I want to know info about them, I want them to know who I am, too. So. Oh, yeah. Well, I've got the regular business cards. Yeah. But I like what Gary's going with that. And then the form factor of a business card, you know, is the form factor. Whatever their system is, Anything different than the size of a business card is going into that other pile. Like all I the tell you what we could do. I could do a business card for the operation, but make it like the template of like an old military ID, keeping like the the theme. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Be a little different, you know. I would say on your business card, have maybe a place on the back uh, that's something like tentative dates. You know, or something like that, like Dayton. Uh, yeah. And the class. So, like, let's say you're talking to, you know, rifle trainer guy, and then you're talking to combat pistol guy, and then you're talking to, like, shooting fundamentals guy. Now you can write a, a business card. You can give him your business card and say, we talked to, you know, we were talking about a, a pistol class in March, and then the next guy is going to be a long distance class in april and the next guy is whatever but then you take that same note and write it in your shit you know on his card like we talked about the exactly last yeah. march but that way when you're giving him the card it's not like who's this guy you're giving him your card and you're giving him mike's card and then here's the project that we're working on together's kind of card yeah that's a good idea i like that General saying all this business talk reminds me I'm not a, why I'm not a businessman. Take care. I wish that was. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand that philosophy. We're all businessmen, right? We're capitalists, so it's a matter of we either work for somebody or with somebody, or I guess people work. You know. We're all working, though. We're all business people. Yeah, I'd love to go to shot show and secure five to ten thousand dollars. That'll cover hotel costs, airline costs for this thing. You know, if I can get five people to give me $1,000 or 10 people to give me $500, that'll cover travel expenses for this project. So, I mean, that's that's huge. You're talking it's going to cost you $5,000 to go to SHOT Show? <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah, right. No. Where are you staying, Goose? <laughs> yeah, I'm, sta I'm staying in the penthouse. 
He's like, I'm talking about for the the training thing. If I go to, you know, let's say 10 training opportunities and let's say it's $500 for airfare and hotel. Well, I've got to come up with $5,000 to cover that to where I don't have to really come out of my pocket. That's, that's the, that's the goal, you know? And five thousand dollars, you know this, G. Five thousand dollars for these companies is nothing. You know there might be one company that says, "I'll give you five grand right now." You know, I want my logo and every video you do, this, that, and the other. And hey, not a problem. You know, I don't know about that, but I don't know what they charge or what they pay for competitive shooters. It'd probably be similar to something like that. But I don't even know because a competitive shooter right. is going out every month, and they're practicing, and they're usually covering to some extent. They're practicing so you figure they've got their competition content you know and then they've got the competitions themselves where they show up at a place with a whole bunch of spectators so it's probably less than they'd pay a competition shooter and they don't think they pay you won't hear that uh they don't really pay competition shooters very often they're usually doing some kind of trade right probably some of the top ones get paid a little Anyway, we do want to be receptive to the uh, feedback. I'll talk nerdy and I'll talk business, but uh, General is the only one that gave us any feedback. Uh, we've got 23 people watching, and you guys have been pretty quiet, so we don't have to talk about stuff that's boring. We can always go off here and talk about our boring stuff. But if it's interesting, more than happy to share it. We are trying to encourage people to get your off your asses and be part of the conversation, not because anybody profits from it other than the world, I think. Because as uh, more people who are interested in self-individual, uh, or what are we trying to say? People who are interested in uh, individual freedom, self-reliance, uh, in, in sharing that message and that mindset to the world in our own unique ways from the bottom up without any, well, for the most part, without any uh, hope of or any uh, illusion of getting paid for it. People are just doing it for the sheer pleasure and uh, interest in sharing, then uh, people are going to see that, right? They're going to understand that we're just regular people doing our thing. It's going to be very difficult for the people with the political agenda to uh, manipulate society once there's a, an established vocal component of this community out there. So we're trying to encourage that. And I don't give a shit if you don't use gun channels. Get out there and use Instagram or use Facebook if you love it so much or Go all over YouTube just because I think they hate guns. Maybe you can prove me wrong by being the biggest, next biggest Hickok, except also be pro gun. So uh, go do that stuff and uh, we'll jump off. Go to talk off here. We don't have to bother people. But um, if New York can jump in, need some tech stuff, no problem. Yeah, we're saying. Always need to hear different things, right on. Uh, New York gave you the advice to be as official as be as official as possible. It helps a lot. Right, exactly. The thing is, you've seen it now. It's not like we're talking. Um, you go to shot show and it's a bunch of people with their pinkies out, like right. Actually, <laughs> because you're holding the wrong caviar fork. Uh, it's a lot of people that are just regular people, and they're there doing their thing. And honestly, I think one of the reasons you and Ghost, or you and Clover, have been successful 
and some of the other people I know have been successful is because you're regular people and there's quite a few people that want to put on a what do they say like dress for the career you want not the one you got you know there's those kind of people and they expect a little bit something different out of people and they'll get it sometimes for a while but uh, I think one of the reasons you guys are successful as you are without the artificial support or the uh, established numbers or whatever it's because you're regular people and you can talk to regular people and for the most part they know that that's what gets out there you know you could have a fanciest billboard and the you know most effective team of I don't know psycho psychologists come up with some campaign come up with like the the best strategy for where to put that billboard and it ain't going to be as effective as somebody's grandma saying you know, hey this is the way to go or somebody's best friend saying oh i use that brand right they know that so uh a big chunk of it yeah i think a lot of it is is um i think, I think you're right you want me to end? i gotta take the squeaky dog out she's freaking out all right yep. i end it or should i let just let you guys go and i'll just be back in a bit I gotta go to bed here in a minute anyway, so Well well then we'll end it. The dog can speak here for a second. But um again, thanks everybody for joining in. You guys are just quiet. You guys get an invite. I expect you to chat. Fuck. Conversations. It's not a lecture. I don't like lecturing and I'm sick of it. So I'm probably gonna switch the show around. We got the show tomorrow, uh for the last uh free patch Friday. So Ghost and Clover will be doing their thing. Their sweeps stakes uh earlier in the day. And then we'll do the Daily Gun Show, and everybody who buys anything over at the store tomorrow will, I don't know even how many of these things I'm going to come up with, but I'm going to package up a bunch of knives and patches and things and uh, put them in these socks or these bags with socks drawn on them and uh, hand those things out tomorrow to say thanks to everybody. Hopefully encourage a bunch of sales. The cards cost 19 bucks, so basically a $20 bill. There's all kinds of people out there that are like, oh, I want to buy you lunch when you drive around. Well, guess what? Buy me a deck of cards or buy a deck of cards off me. It's the same thing. More importantly, that pays for like a phone bill. That pays for like a server bill and that kind of thing. So um, I'm going to be doing that tomorrow. And then I'm probably going to change the show up a bit. Uh, I want to have more participation in the show. And I don't know if you guys are all asleep this late or if people just hate my shit. But if people hate my shit, I'm going to go find out on a different time slot. Uh, I think, and uh, try to get more people in. Uh, either I suck, or I should get 100 people or 200 people or more listening to this show and being part of an honest conversation that isn't trying to sell you shit except individual freedom and encourage you to get off your ass and take videos. And I don't want to keep yelling at the same 22 people for that. I want to yell at 100 people who don't get off their ass. So uh, thanks, everybody, for being part of it, and watch it continue to evolve.